by these lawyers. And uh, this one lawyer we're going to see was a Pharisee. I mean, we'll see that here in a minute. And uh, every answer from Jesus that he gave, not only did he give it the, just the, uh, the, the academic answer, right, from the Word of God, but he also gave, really, there's an application there personally in each one of these things, right? He corrected bad doctrine, and he corrected wrong living through his answers. And so here we have, if you remember, you had the Herodian, uh, you know, do we pay the Roman tribute tax? Is it, is it lawful? Is it of the Old Testament law? Is this something that would be of God to pay the Roman tribute tax? And of course, you know, they were all for this, the family of the Herods and they wanted the, the family of the Herods to be ruling over Jerusalem and not necessarily the Roman empire. And there's uh, the give and take there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of background there, but the overall question was, you know, is it okay? Is it right? Is it lawful to play the Roman tribute tax? And what did Jesus say? Well, whose face is on the money and whose superscriptions on it? Herod, uh, the Caesar. Okay. Well, then render to the things of the Caesars and to God the things that are God's. And he really brought something up there because he didn't ask this question. So what is God's? What belongs to God? Well, we saw that, right? We do. Who has the, what do we have? We have the image of God stamped upon us. If you're saved here today, the, I would, you could probably go so far as to say the superscription of God, that, that seal of the Spirit of God stamped into our life. And we belong to Him. And we need to live like we belong to God. And then after the, the Herodians, the Sadducees came up, right? They had wrong doctrine about angels, about the resurrection. They had wrong beliefs about the supernatural. They had wrong beliefs about the Old Testament about the oracles of God, about the scripture. They rejected everything except the first five books of Moses. And remember the question that came, uh, you know, is, is there essentially the, the woman had five husbands, seven husbands. So whose husband is she in the resurrection? They thought they got him, right? And uh, Jesus said, well, there is no marriage in the resurrection. We talk about taking the talk, talk about taking the wind out of the sails, right? There is no marriage in the res. They're like the angels of heaven. They're not angels. We don't turn into angels, but they are like them in that there is neither marriage nor giving in marriage. And so, if there's no marriage, there's no children. That's used to be pretty basic, right? And so he dealt with the wrong doctrine, and then he dealt with the wrong living. And we saw last week that God is what He's the God of the living, right? Amen. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We don't live here. Amen. Are we good with this? Are we awake? I mean, I, that last song was too quiet. I know but about putting me to sleep over there, but we don't want to do this. Right. This listen, this is a happy thought here. This is a joyful thought here. This isn't the end of it all for us. We're going on and we're just pilgrims passing through. We have a living hope. Why? Because we're connected to the living God and he's the God of the living. I'm thankful for that. But today, today, a lawyer's coming up. How many like lawyers? Nobody's raising their hand. I, okay. So, no, it's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sister Healy, she loves two lawyers anyway. The rest can go somewhere else, right? But there's two that she loves. Amen. And uh, that we sure love them when they, when they get you off, right? And you love them when, when they uh, send you a check for whatever you had got a check for, right? And, uh, but no, the lawyer came up. Not like what we think of a lawyer necessarily, though they dealt with law. With this lawyer, he, he would have been more like saying he had a PhD in theology. 
His focus was on the study and the interpretation of the law of God. The lawyer in that day would have instructed the little the Hebrew youth in the in the things of the Word of God and in the in theology, right? And so these lawyers would decide the questions that would be answered to the law. See, the question that they're going to come to Jesus with, uh, people would come to them with and say, what does the Word of God say? What does the Bible say? What does the Scripture uh, say? Well, the lawyer in our text has a question himself to Jesus about the law. And you know, this, this was all to corner Christ, right? He didn't come. He didn't come to him. Now, maybe this was really was a deep question he had. He wasn't going to say it. But like the first two questions that were hurled at the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be a doctrinal answer, and then there's going to be personal application. So look at verse 34. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, I love how sweetly it says that. (laughs) They were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, one of them, so this lawyer we see was also of the Pharisees, which was a lawyer, asked him a question tempting him, this was why he asked it to tempt Jesus, and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And the title of the message this morning that I want to look at this morning is this question. Why don't we care about the lost? You say, where on earth does that come? Where'd you get that? It's here. We'll get there. It's a question we have to ask ourselves. Why don't we care about the lost? So here in verses 34 and 6, the, 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 the lawyer came up. Jesus, don't forget, was a threat to the well-established religious power structure that was there in Israel. He was an absolute threat to them. And uh, so each of these uh, sects that was represented here, each one of these groups' beliefs uh, came and had some... Had, uh, they had uh, some, um, how do I say it, uh, each one of these sects represented one of the group's beliefs in what should have authority over their life. Let me, hopefully that came out clear. I don't know if it did or not. Let me give, you, let me give it to you this way. The Herodians really believed that, the, that they were all good with government control over their life. The Sadducees were... We're all about religious control over the life. The lawyers here were concerned about the Word of God in some way, having authority over the life. And each group must have felt that Jesus was a threat to their goals. They didn't like Him. And it was evident that the Herodians and the Sadducees had failed at catching Jesus in one of their questions and doctrinal error. And, uh, and so in turn, Jesus was pointing out to each one of them who has real authority over the life. So who, who, really, you know, who has authority over the life? What, what did Jesus point them to twice? Well, God himself. God has authority over our life. Amen? Are we good with this? The Creator has all of the rights to have authority over His creation. 
which you and I, whether you believe it or not, whether you really think about it or not, whether you understand it or not, to its full depth, we have just merely, we are just mere creations of God. He made us. And He has full authority over us. Not human government, not religious government, though they all fall in place, but a personal relationship with the living God. This is what God, this is what He is looking at. Now it is the turn of the lawyers to try to catch Jesus in a tricky question. And so, okay, they've heard the Sadducees, they lost, right? The Herodians lost, and here they are, the Pharisees came together, they had another scheme, they're going to come after Jesus, and one of them comes up with this question that we just read in verse 36. Which is the greatest commandment of the law? What's the greatest commandment? Seems like an easy question. But listen, when you can take the things of God and come up with 613 laws and precepts on top of it, they don't make anything an easy question. <laughs> See how confu- you know, it makes life awful confusing sometimes. Notice the answer once again. Jesus points the people to the written word of God. He takes them back to the written word of God. Go back to Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 6, would you please? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we see here, this is uh, a well-known portion to the, to the, to the Jews. I mean, uh, look at verse, uh, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine, where? heart. Be in your heart. Je- Listen, Jesus has quoted uh, in his, in, from what we have recorded in the New Testament, Jesus has quoted something like 78 passages from the Old Testament. The, the majority of those are from the scripture, at that time from the scripture, but the, and the majority of those have been out of the book of Deuteronomy. Now Deuteronomy means second law. Second law. The law was given at Mount Sinai. And you can see that. But here, before Moses dies in the book of Deuteronomy, he gives it again, almost like a series of messages. Now notice this. The the first law was given to that first generation that came out of Egypt. And here Deuteronomy is given to the generation that survived, right? The, The previous generation is dead except for Joshua and Caleb. And this next generation that came up after them is now going into the promised land. And Moses gives them the law again. That's what the word Deuteronomy, second law. The new generation, right? The one going in right now, their great, 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 I didn't add it up. However, many grandparents got it first. They never made it into the promised land. Now they're going to get it here. Is there any significance to the giving of the second time? I think there is. I think it shows a personal God. I think it shows that God is sitting down these individuals that are getting ready to go into the promised land and He's going to give it to them again. Why? For themselves, for them personally. You're going to get it. It's just not your parents. It's yours. 
Oh, this is a good reminder this morning, friend. It's just not your parents' religion. It's just not your grandparents' religion. Listen, it, it ought to be a relationship with God uh, between you and God yourself. Amen. Yeah. So the lawyers knew this. They knew it was this. This was in the it was in Deuteronomy. They knew it was there. And this is the answer that Jesus gives. What is the greatest commandment that there is? And Jesus said, uh, that, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, he says. Now, strangely, there's going to be some agreement here. I mean, these, these three groups, they don't agree hardly ever, Right? But the, the Herodians would disagree about, right, about government. The Sadducees are going to disagree with everybody about the resurrection and the supernatural. The Pharisees are going to disagree how the law was going to be lived on a daily basis. And they're going to make sure you did that. They all disagreed among each other, right? When I was in Israel, our Israeli tour guide said this, If you have three Jews, you'll have four opinions. Strangely, they agreed, they, would, they, they disagreed about a, a lot of things, but one thing they agreed on was Deuteronomy chapter 6 in what we call the Shema. Word Shema means to hear. Shema Yisrael, they, this is the first prayer they would have learned as a little child. Hear, hear, O Israel, listen up, Israel, listen to me, the Lord Right? The Lord, uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He is one God and you love him wow, with your heart. Hear, O Israel. The greatest commandment to the Jew was this one right here. And obviously, Jesus agreed. Right? He brought it out and he, he agreed with them that it was the first and the greatest. It was the first, what he might say, in order. If you say, I'm, number, I, I'm first, what's that mean? Well, there's more behind you. You're ahead of the truth, right? Not that hard. I don't have to spend much time on that. Greatest. How is it the greatest? Well, really, it's the greatest in magnitude when you think about it, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. It was first in importance. It is greatest in, in its power and its strength. Notice this nextly, next though. Nextly is not a word. I just made that up. Notice this next. Not only is it first or greatest, it's called a commandment. It wasn't a suggestion. It was not. It was an area of expected obedience. It is the first and the greatest commandment. What is it? Love the Lord thy God. To love God. Do you know it's a choice? Love is a choice this morning. It's up to you. It's a choice. Watch this. Not only is love a choice, it's an action. It is visible. It is seen. Now watch this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. What is he saying? Listen. Love Him with everything. All of your being. But notice this also about this. Where is the heart, the soul, and the mind? It's on the inside. It's not visible. It's not necessarily seen. Right? Do you, do, can you see somebody's mind? Yeah. Thankfully, no. 
Eventually you might, but we'll get there. I don't want to give it away, right? Do you really see somebody's heart visibly watch it going? No. Do you actually watch the soul in action? No. It's, it's all hidden. It's inside. <clears throat> so watch this. These are areas that others cannot necessarily see. So the first and the, and, and the most important commandment that you must obey is the foundation of every other commandment to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, let me say it this way, with all of your emotion, with all of your will, with whatever and everything that you think about and meditate upon. Listen, love God with everything, everything that you are. Yeah. They came with a challenge, man's challenge. God had an answer. But this is what I'm going to show you here this morning. There's an application as well. Remember I told you, Jesus answered it on an academic level, and then he's going to come and give an application to the heart. Notice what he says here. We know this, loving God begins on the inside. But watch this, loving God eventually works its way to the outside. Right? What is on the mind, many times you see in the actions. What is on the heart, you eventually see in the actions. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaketh. It, what's on the inside comes to the outside. And so watch this, a life that is in love with God, listen, it eventually, it must become visible. People are going to notice it. People are going to see it. See, D, Jesus didn't stop at the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. He continued. Look what he says in verse 39. In the second, okay, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Verse 38, and this is the first and great commandment. But look at the verse 39. <clears throat> and the second is like unto it. There's a second one. Look what he says. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Now if you go back to Deuteronomy 6, you won't find this in Deuteronomy 6. You'll find it in Leviticus chapter 19. And listen to what it says in verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Yeah. Watch this. The love of God is manifest on the outside. Listen please. When we love our neighbor. I think Jesus brought this up because it's probably one of the greatest indications of what you can see on the outside of what's going on in the inside. Yeah. Can I tell you this this morning? People can be faithful to church. You can be a, <laughs> grow up Southern Baptist and have every Sunday school pen that you've ever could have gotten for the entirety of your entire life. You could, you could know every hymn that is there. You could memorize every verse at discipleship of every week. You can, you can do all sorts of things that might manifest the love you have for God. But it doesn't always manifest that you have a love for God. You might have a love for religion. And Jesus is showing here the one thing that really indicates a love for God on the inside is a love of your neighbor on the outside. Wow. Pretty incredible, actually. In Luke chapter 10, there was another lawyer. He stood up in the temple and he asked Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said this, what does the scripture say? 
<laughs> right? Could you imagine one of the uh, uh, one of the the, the uh, Healy's coming to their mom or dad and posing some legal question? What would you say? Well, what does the law say? I don't know. You got all those books everywhere, right? This this lawyer comes to Jesus and and says, "What do I have to do to inherit eternal life?" He says, "Well, what is what does it say?" What does the scripture say? And the lawyer said in, in Luke 10, 27, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. The lawyer got both of them. The, the, the guy with the law degree in theology. Right? Jesus said, very good. You're right. Listen. He said, now go do it. Now go do it, right? So what does is, what is a smart aleck uh, THD say? <laughs> well, who is my neighbor? Pretty smart guy, right? Well, who's my neighbor? And so what does Jesus do? We know what he does next. He goes into a story about a certain man that was coming down from Jerusalem, going to Jericho. He was coming from the city. He was going out into the wilderness along the way south into Jericho. And what happened? He got robbed. He got jumped. He got beat up. He got stolen from. He was laying there on the side of the road. This guy was laying on the side of the road all beat up. And, and if you want to see real life examples of this, you can go to Philadelphia or you can go, or you can go to probably uh, um, yeah, any other big city. I don't, want to, I don't want to get in trouble. Anyway, you can go to places and you can... Oh, you've, you've been in Philly, right? I was, yeah, you, I'm right. You can see him beat up on the side of the road. You can go to Oakland. That's probably a nice place to get beat up and things like that. I mean, uh, listen, they, there he is on the side of the road. And uh, what, is, what does Jesus say? A, a, a priest went, came up next to him and went the other side of the street and went around him. Then a Levite came up and he saw him and he too went to the other side of the road. And Jesus went and said this, but then a Samaritan came up. I don't think we understand what a stab that was to these people in this story. A Samaritan? A half-breed? A half-breed? Yeah. A Samaritan came up, Jesus said. <clears throat> and listen to the words that, this, that Jesus said in his story. The Samaritan saw this man, watch, and had compassion on him. Where does compassion come from? It's from your heart. What was manifest? Wait, Jesus was showing how, how love is manifest on the outside. He had compassion for him. And what did he do? He went to the other side of the road. He went to that, that, that man that was beat up by robbers. He had cleaned up his wounds. He had bandaged his wounds. He had, he had taken him in. And not only that, he, at the end of it, he gave him some money to supply, to provide for him because he had had it all taken away. No, a Samaritan did this. Jesus said, who was this man's neighbor? Oh, he put it. Okay, come on, lawyer. So tell me, here's the scenario. Who was the Samaritans? Who was this the guy robbed? This Jew that was robbed? Who was his neighbor? <clears throat> Samaritan. <laughs> who? That guy. What guy? The Samaritan. 
You know he didn't want to say it. Come on. Luke 10, 37 and 38, Jesus, the lawyer said, Jesus said, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Watch. He that showed mercy on him. This is what the lawyer said. Well, the one who showed mercy. What is that love in action to his neighbor? Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. Yeah. Was Jesus telling him to work for his salvation? No. Remember, he came for eternal life. What do you got to do to inherit eternal life? No, he wasn't telling him what to do to be to work your way to salvation. He was showing him that if God is really on the inside, if somebody really has a living relationship with God, if somebody is really genuinely in love with God, it is going to be manifest in how he loves those and he has compassion on those who are around him. His neighbors. See, you can't say that you love God but you don't love those who God loves. Right? Well, who does God love? Well, I don't know. Does this sound familiar? Right? right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What did Jesus show here to this lawyer? What did He show him? Hey, here's the greatest commandment. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. With all of your mind. The second one is like unto it. Why is that? Love your neighbor as yourself. What is he showing? The, the, what, what is on the inside is going to be manifest on the outside. Can I tell you something? God loves all of his neighbors. Yeah. You know how I know? Look, at, look what he says in verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, <clears throat> what does this mean? Hangs all of the law and the prophets. Can I tell you the Bible is a missionary book? Can I tell you God is a missionary? Can I tell you, do you remember when Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost? Right? Hey, can I tell you this morning that God wants His creation to be with Him, right? He created us to be relational, not relational like a dog or an animal or a cat might be to somebody. You can have somewhat of a relationship, right? And to be like, good dog, and they're nice, and all this, that. And you can... Be nice to cats or whatever you want to be, right? No, not that kind of relationship. God has created us after His likeness and image in a way to have a relationship with Him like nobody else can on a personal level. Right? And man fell. Adam sinned. Sin came into the world. We have inherited that nature. And God wanted us back. See, all of the Word of God, it's all a missionary book. God coming after His creation to redeem them back to Himself. G. Campbell Morgan said this in one of his writings, The entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is about relationship. Wow. Relationship. See, one of the main aspects of the Old Testament, don't miss this, one of the main aspects of the Old Testament was about Israel being God's representative to the world. 
This is when you get to Romans chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 11. You see this parenthesis in this great gospel letter to the Romans, this parenthesis that Israel has been put on the shelf and they've been put in the garage and God is going to deal with them at another time. And he has moved to the church of Jesus Christ being his representative on the planet, drawing people back to himself. This was the place that Israel had. This was the place that God wanted for Israel to have and they didn't want it and they got inward instead of outward and they, they began to love themselves and their own and not their neighbor. You see this problem here. But God wanted them. This was the purpose of Israel to be a representative to all of the world. They were to love God and by that they were to show the love of God to the world around them that the relationship could be restored with their creator and they didn't want it. They didn't do that. This was their purpose. This is why Jesus said, on this hangs all of the law and the prophets. The, law, the point of the law and the prophets was to show the world that God loves them. Even in the dedication prayer of Solomon at the temple, he made provision. He said, even when those that do not know, the stranger comes up, the Gentile comes up to pray in this temple. He says, answer them too, not just to us. It was always God's mind. It was always God's heart that all of His creation would be in relationship with Him. Yeah. He sent Jonah. <laughs> yeah. You talk about a little bit racist. For good reason. I mean, he didn't like these, 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 these Ninevites. He didn't like this Assyrian little spot here, this Assyrian country. They're, way, they're awful. And they all got saved. And Jonah pouted. <laughs> right? Worst missionary there ever was. Yeah. Why? Because God wants, a, he wants us a, a relationship with his creation. He wants us back. Yeah. And how would God see, how, how would the world see this? How, would the, how, how is the world to see God's love? Well, by God's people loving them. That's how they see it. And this is the great, Jesus said, this is the greatest manifestation that you love God. The inward moving to the outward. The heart moving to the action. Love God. Love people. You know, nothing's changed today. Applies to us, doesn't it? It applies to us. If we love God, we'll love our neighbor. Yeah. We will have a concern for the neighbor that is lost and on their way to hell. We will be concerned for the children who aren't hearing the gospel. We will be a people of compassion with a desire to go to those that have been not on the roadside by robbers and without money and cut up and bruised up. No, we'll, we will have compassion with a desire to go to those that are destroyed by sin and destroyed by themselves and destroyed by Satan in this world. And we'll have a compassion to go to them, to, to, to clean their wounds and to bandage up their broken bodies and to bring them to the riches of Christ. 
See, church, when I think about what it looks like to love God and to love our neighbor, I've got to be honest with myself, and I've got to be, we've got to be honest with ourselves, and we've got to be honest with each other, that may, I'm just not so convinced that we do. Just not completely convinced. So we're left to ask a question. We're left here to ask a question. We have to all ask it of ourselves. If it makes you feel any better, I've asked it of myself already. Makes you feel better, right? So the question is just natural. Do I really love my neighbor? Easiest thing in the world to say, right? And, And easiest to show, but when it really comes down to it, do we really love our neighbor? Do I really see their condition? You know that old song, right? Let me see the world, dear Lord, as looking through your eyes. Do we really have those eyes? Do we really see the condition of the world? You know, the priest and the Levite, you know, they saw the condition. They just, they just didn't want to deal with it. But sometimes we, don't even, we, we can get so self-centered, we can get so tunnel vision, we don't even see the condition anymore. It just all meshes in and looks alike. Do, do we see their condition? Do we, do, we, do we have compassion? Do we desire to take the burden of their condition upon ourselves to help them? No, that Samaritan had to stop what he was doing. He may, I'm sure he had appointments. I'm sure he had somewhere to go. I'm sure he had some life in front of him, right? I'm sure he didn't want to stick around too long. What was the guy of, of Samaria doing up there anyway? I, you know, maybe, he's trying to, maybe he's trying to get home. I don't know. But do we have the desire to take the burden of the condition of this world upon ourselves to help them? Well, how do you help them? Well, it's not necessarily digging wells and feeding sandwiches. might include that. But what they need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're having trouble there, why? Right? Well, they're Samaritans. Right? It's going gonna, it's gonna, to, you know... It's going to put me out. It's going to slow me down. I'm just not able. I'm not what I used to be. I don't have what I used to have. I mean, you can go on down the line, right? They're kids. They're Mexicans. Come on. Right? They're from the left coast. I'm thinking of Washington and Oregon. We're seeing a lot of those lately. They have nothing to offer. You ever go through the mobile homes? Do you know some people go, eh, I don't know. Let's go to that neighborhood. They got money. <laughs> they have something to offer. Right? What about those that don't have anything to offer? What about those who don't have anything to give in return? Right? Let me just give you a reminder this morning. The world is dying and going to hell. Where we work, where we live, right? Where we do business. The world all around us is dying and going to hell. 
Let's ask God to help us. To not say that we love God while we're doing nothing about bringing our neighbors to Christ. Because Jesus said, the manifestation that you love God is the way you actively live towards your neighbor who's around you. Amen? Amen. May God help us today. Not only to love God internally, we ought to do that. That's the first and greatest commandment. Love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our being. But the truth is, if that's true, it will get to the outside. And we will love our neighbor as, watch, as ourself. Ponder that this afternoon. Father, pretty plain challenge this morning. A great academic response, a great truth that Jesus gave. Great answer, the, the answer to the question. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. Yeah. But the second one, Lord. Father, the second one. Would you do a work in our heart today by the Holy Spirit. That we would ask the question of ourselves, of nobody else but of ourselves alone. Do I really love my neighbor? Not in thought, not in word, but in deed. Do I really love my neighbor? Father, would you do that work this morning? And today, may today be a day that if that is not the case, maybe, maybe there's a level, maybe the Holy Spirit of God today, Father, maybe your Holy Spirit would say, you know what, yeah, oh, you love your neighbor, but there's another level you can step up to. I want you to bring you to. You've started here and it's wonderful, but I want you to, I want you to walk up on higher ground a little bit. I want you to love your neighbor in a, in a, in a, uh, more. Or, or I want you to put more time into it, whatever it may be. Right. Lord, your Holy Spirit has a word for us today and, and how you want this applied to each and of us individually. Father, would you do that work today and may we at least come to the place of saying, Lord, I love you, but I want to know, do I really love my neighbor as I ought to? And as you want me to. Would we be honest with you today in that? Would you help us today to leave here loving our neighbor in action and deed greater than we ever have? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? People are praying. The instrument will play. The invitation is open. However, the Lord has spoken to you. Do you love your neighbor? Are you actively seeking the lost? You, hey, the Bible says that we're to give every man an answer of the hope which lieth within us. We have truth. We have the gospel. We have the truth of the Word of God. How are you actively getting the gospel out to your neighbor that is broken and battered by sin and needs to be saved? Say, I don't even know what to do. Why don't you go to the Lord with that this morning and ask Him what to do.
You say, you know what? I've been so busy. I've been so consumed with everything else in this life. I don't even think about it. Well, would you ask God to help you to start thinking about it? Maybe there's somebody watching online today and you've never been born again. You've never been saved. There's no, there's no loving your neighbor on the outside because there's no loving of God on the inside. You need to be saved today and you need to come to Christ. You need to turn to Jesus today. You can call, you can write in. You, so many ways to contact somebody to show you from the Word of God, how you can be saved. You need to do that today. Do you love your neighbor? Jesus said, good, go do it. Friend, you don't always have to have sermons in your pocket ready to go. <laughs> I was sitting in the airport yesterday in Dallas. And a lady sitting next to me waiting for a plane. And a nurse got talking. And uh, something came up about human nature just hasn't changed. I said, you know what's amazing about that? It hasn't. And I said, think about this. Over 6,000 years ago, God told Adam, The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And for 6,000 years, he's been right. I mean, who has those odds? I mean, that, that was a prophecy, and it, we can look back now, and it's, he's never been wrong. She goes, huh. <laughs> hey, be ready. Yeah. May God help us today to love our neighbor. Amen. Good to see everybody out today. We'll be dismissing a word of prayer. Don't forget discipleship tonight at 5 o'clock. And, uh, and we'll go ahead and have church at 6 too. So that'll be good. Brother Allen, would you close us on a word of prayer this morning?